to meet and work with a lot of wonderful people. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing that was all started by a mouse. Oh boy, here we go! Are you kidding me? Out of the gates? This is not happening! By the way, what title would you like? Mary Poppins, practically perfect in every way. I ain't like a pig! Homer, you are a pig. Oh. I almost forgot. That's why they call me Thumper. You're listening to the Magic on a Dollar podcast. Welcome to the Magic on a Dollar podcast. My name is David Dollar. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Uh, this is Magical Conversations in a podcast form. I'm going to bend your ear for the next 30 minutes or so. We'll talk all about Disney World, maybe a little Disneyland. We'll get into the Lion King movie review, and we'll talk a little bit about free dining. That's the promotion that was released last week. And uh, don't adjust your set. Don't go looking back into Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anything else because, no, I did not have a show last week. I, I wanted to. I tried to get one out. A free dining hit last Tuesday, which was the, I don't know, the 16th, 15th, something like that. It hit big, and, uh, you know, that was, that was much of my week. That was much of my, uh, my, my free time. When I did carve out time to record the show, I had a kid who wasn't feeling good, so we had to keep him home from his summer school activities and all of his his swimming lessons and such for a day or so. So that kind of cut into it, and just finally I decided, you know what, we'll just skip this week and go next week. I I really wanted to be that guy that uh, you know a couple of years from now I can say every Thursday I was here, you know, for the last five years uh, with the Magical Dollar Podcast, and that's just not to be. But you know what? That's okay. That's all right. You guys are here now. I'm back now. We're going to talk Disney and some Disney news, and let's have some fun. First up, let's talk a little bit about Lion King. I want to start the show with a movie review. That's right. Hooray for Hollywood, folks. The Lion King has hit the theaters with a $185 million opening weekend, which is insane. A great weekend for Disney. Disney now owns the top five, top six, actually, money-making movies of the year. Avengers Endgame, number one. We'll get to them in a minute. Captain Marvel, Toy Story 4, Aladdin, Spider-Man Far From Home, and The Lion King, the top six. And you know what? Nothing's even close to it right now, so they're going to own that six for a while. Uh, The Lion King uh, debuting at number six there for the year 100. $85 $85 million for the year, currently sitting at 212 since we've had a few more days for people to go see it. A wildly popular movie. Critics have not liked it as much, but the audiences have really, really loved it. And of course, this is The Lion King overall. This is what you what you expected from the cartoon. Uh, Donald Glover is the voice of Simba. Beyonce is the voice of Nala, the older Nala. And uh, uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor uh, is a great villain. The voice of Scar, you got Seth Rogans and Billy Eichner as uh, Timon and Pumbaa. Now, there is a slightly different take on the hyenas this time. You had Ed, uh, who was the kind of the giggly, maniacal one, the kind of the, the weird laughter, not really talk. Jim Cummings was the voice of, of Ed. Whoopi Goldberg was Shinzi, and Cheech Marin was the voice of Bonzi. In uh, this one, however, you've got, you've got Keegan-Michael Key and Eric Andre, and they are the voices of... Kamari and Azizi, Shinzi is voiced by an actress named Florence Kasumba, and Shinzi is much more dark, much more evil. The hyenas are really darker than this one, and you've got the other two that are kind of giving comic relief, but Shinzi's kind of the lead just, there's nothing funny about Shinzi. Uh, there's not a whole lot of comic relief with, with, with that particular hyena. I mean, it's, it's really dark with those. Of course, you've got the, the live action, and we say live action, it's really just, it's different animation than what you saw. Suddenly, it's not cartoon animation anymore, it's actually 
CGI animation because, you know, they're lions, but they're CGI lions. Honestly, I'm not sure what in the movie is actually real. I don't know if I'm looking at a real landscape or not. It, it's beautiful. It, the whole thing is beautiful. The whole thing is done gorgeously well. I was probably checked out for the first, I don't know, 20 to 30 minutes or so. It's, uh, it just kind of dragged a little, and it, it, it's hard not to compare it to the original and, of course, you've got a cartoon that you can do a lot of things with and a lot of motions, a lot of action in cartoon characters that you can't do in real life, even with CGI, to make it believable. Uh, one expression or one criticism I'm hearing is that it's hard to see the expressions on the lion's face because they're, they're quote-unquote, real lions. And that's kind of true. Uh, Mufasa, I think, was a was just it was an empty character. Uh, I didn't really get a lot out of Mufasa. James Earl Jones was back as Mufasa. Okay, so please don't, don't, don't hate me for this. I think he's getting a little old for this. His voice is his is older, and you can tell. Uh, I feel like there was some energy missing from it. Maybe that's because James Earl Jones is a much older guy now, a legendary character actor, a legendary actor in his own right. Uh, I just I didn't really dig it. Really, the movie turned for me when the will to be seen happened. When the will to be seen was pretty cool. I think Edge of Four is great as Scar. I think his voice was awesome as well. Uh, I thought the the Be Prepared song was a little strange. Now, it's it's one of my favorite villain songs in all of Disney. Jeremy Irons singing it in the original cartoon was just cool. I can kind of see why they maybe couldn't do that in this one and make it believable. Uh, I, I, but I missed the song. I did. I missed the song. I wish they had done more with the song itself. But when the Will to Be Seen happened, I think the movie kind of took off. He goes into the desert and everything. And anyway, so Timon and Pumbaa rescue him, and he grows up there. And I, and I think that whole thing was actually done pretty well. Uh, I think that thing was it kind of dove a little bit more into the growing up part in that that different wilderness uh, than than maybe even the cartoon did. I was a, I was a fan of that second half of the movie, especially. I really liked this movie. I didn't love it. Uh, maybe I I don't know that. Maybe I'm on the edge of loving it, but I really liked it, didn't love it. And that's kind of how I stand on Lion King. I think it's great. I think it obviously, because it's not a cartoon, it is a little darker than uh, than the cartoon itself. And there are some scary moments for kids. I don't know. It's it's the Lion King. Mufasa dies. Scar dies. Scar gets eaten by hyenas. But I think there's a difference in seeing uh, mean hyenas drawn in cartoon form with one of them, Shenzi, being very silly versus actually seeing hyenas jump on a lion and you see shadows, you know what's about to happen. So... You know, you can judge for yourself whether you want to take your kids or not. Again, the movie's making a ton of money, so even if uh, you know, if, even if you only go once to see it, it's going to do just fine. I've seen it once. I think I'm, I don't know that I'll see it again. Where do I rank it amongst my quote unquote live action films? I think I like Aladdin better. I do. I, I really like Aladdin quite a bit. Uh, Lion King's up there, though. I think I like I liked Lion King more than I did Beauty and the Beast. And I've mentioned that before, whereas I like Beauty and the Beast quite a bit, but uh, I've seen it once, and I don't know that I'll ever watch it again. The the live-action cartoon I've watched a thousand times, and it's one of my 30 favorite films of all time. Lion King, though, I, I think it's good. I will settle for the original Lion King, though, any day of the week. Uh, I know that they are looking to do new uh, animations, uh, new live-actions from animations. I don't know... How far down the road they're going to go with these? Because I don't know how how much is in stock left that's relevant before we start getting into the Emperor's New Grooves and the Bolts and the uh, the Home on the Ranges of the World. And I guess there are a lot of stories they can tell. Maybe Fox of the Hound or something. I don't know. Uh, the trailer for Mulan, however, is also out. And it looks incredible. I really like this. Uh, There's a trailer and I'm looking forward to it. I i got to be honest with you. I don't even know if I've, that I've seen Mulan in its entirety. Uh, I know people are not... Uh, people are a little shocked by that because, hey, you're the Disney guy. You should see all these movies. You'd kind of be surprised how many Disney movies I haven't seen, and I think Mulan is one of them. I'm not sure that I've seen it all the way through. So uh, I need to go back and watch that cartoon from front to back because I am looking forward to the actual 
I'm looking forward to the actual uh, uh, the actual live action film. Uh, they took out Mushu, which I think is probably a good thing because Mushu is kind of the comic relief, silly part of of the actual cartoon itself, the original. Well, and I've heard that they're trying to make this movie kind of blend with Chinese customs and history. And I don't know that a talking dragon really fits in there. I, I don't know. But I feel like not having a talking dragon might give the, the movie a little more, I guess, gravitas, a little more realism to it. Now that the movie's out of the way, hey, let's get to some news. Well, howdy, folks. Let's gather around. Here's some Disney news from around these parts and around the world. quick hits for you real quick the astro orbiter is going to be closed it suddenly closed out of nowhere a few days ago uh unplanned refurbishment i really wish they'd fix the queue there the queue there is terrible by the way you go into the queue you have this little corral that you have to go into and you wait your turn and then you as a part of a group of maybe 10 or 12 other people you go into an elevator and go up there's another corral and then you know you have to wait for the ride to empty out then you get the ride well to come back off you have to wait for the elevator again it's really kind of a mess there's no fast pass there it's the the whole ride itself is just it's ridiculous and i don't know why they have monsters inc as a fast pass but not astro orbiter i just don't really know uh but it is going to be closed for the next uh, few weeks it will open on august 15th 2019 uh, kind of tentatively we'll we'll see what happens there in star wars news the rise of the resistance opening has been announced it's going to open in walt disney world on december 5th it's going to open in disneyland on january 17th of next year a lot of speculation as to what's happening there and why it's going to open at disney world first uh, i have some theories i'm going to kind of flesh those out later on maybe we'll, we'll talk about that with some guests or something coming up but uh but it's going to be opening up at disney world on the 5th of december opening up on disneyland on the 17th of january next year also opening up, the gondolas. We've been talking about the gondolas incessantly here on the Match Gonda Dollar podcast because we just keep waiting for them to open. They keep We keep seeing new things that, that, you know, hey, they're running now, and the stations are built, and look, now they've been uncovered. Look at all the characters, and they keep running and running and going, but we never got any word about when exactly it was going to open. Uh, September 29th, that's when they're going to open. They're going to officially be the grand opening September 29th. I don't know what, what kind of ribbon cutting they'll do, but they're going to do that. Uh, they'll have the... Uh, They'll have the gondolas running, um, people on them, apparently 10 to 12 people go in each gondola, and we'll be we'll be talking a lot more about the gondolas as, as the time approaches, because one thing people want to know is how that ventilation system's going to work, because, guys, it's Florida, and it's September. Even in September, it's hot, so I'll be interested to see what happens if the ride has to shut, I say the ride, if the gondolas have to shut down for a minute or two while they're loading something, or they have to replace something or whatever, or something happens. And you're just sitting there with no air running through there. I'm kind of curious exactly how that's going to work. So uh, we'll see about that. Also coming up starting August the 16th. If you can believe it starts August the 16th. That is crazy. On select nights all the way through October 31st. Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party. We'll kind of do a primer on that in a little while. Maybe in a couple of weeks. We'll kind of talk a little bit more about that as the uh, as the, uh, the opening date approaches. But they're going to be doing some new things this year. And it's going to be debuting the Disney's Not So Spooky Spectacular. An interactive treat trail at Monsters, Inc. Laugh Floor and Attractions. Updated with Halloween twists. And also the new additions to Mickey's boot to you Halloween parade uh, nightly during Mickey's not so scary Halloween party uh, they will present it twice nightly the parade will bring forth a cavalcade of fiendishly fun floats as each land of the magic kingdom comes together to celebrate Halloween now of course I'm reading this off of Disney Parks blog and it's interesting it says that as each land of the magic kingdom comes together because 
really in the Magic Kingdom, everything's kind of centered around uh, around Fantasyland. I mean, everything's Main Street and Fantasyland. There is some Halloween stuff throughout the parks, but you know, and you could ride some stuff. But uh, but really, it's kind of that's the main attraction is right there in the middle of the park. So it'll be interesting to see what uh, what each land of the Magic Kingdom coming together looks like. The parade will open with a flurry of favorite Disney friends, including Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse, and all new Halloween costumes as they trick or treat down Main Street, uh, representing Liberty Square, the Haunted Mansion, Has Hitchhiking Ghosts, and a new addition, the Spectral Bride. Tomorrowland will bring the Incredibles and uh, Edna Mode to Mickey's Boot to You Halloween Parade with Buzz Lightyear and Aliens exploring as well. And of course, Halloween uh, has candy. Wreck-It Ralph, Vanellope Von Schweetz, and the girls from Sugar Rush will be throwing out candy everywhere. Pirates from Adventures Land, Clarabella Cow will be hosting a square dancing in the frontier uh, during a Frontierland hoedown. And a wicked assortment of Disney villains reigns over Fantasyland-inspired grand finale. So that is again from Disney Parks blog at the Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party. Prices starting uh, here you go you ready prices starting at 7881 including tax for children and 8414 including tax for adults and they will vary with different dates those prices I've just mentioned you're probably going to pay those the first couple of days of August 16th to 2023rd Maybe some dates in September. By the time you get closer to October, especially Halloween, you're looking at paying $115, or something like that for a ticket. Some more Star Wars news. Kylo Ren's character is moving out of Star Wars Launch Bay on the same time that Galaxy's Edge opens on the 29th of August. Kylo Ren will not be there anymore, and uh, he's going to be replaced with Darth Vader in the Launch Bay. Now, the Launch Bay, of course, is right there by the Little Mermaid attraction, uh, kind of behind where the hat used to be, that center hub, that stage there, kind of back in that area there. That's where the Launch Bay is. No word as to whether the Launch Bay will be closing or not, you know, to kind of keep all the Star Wars stuff together, but that will be over in Hollywood Studios. Darth Vader was originally there. You actually could meet uh, Chewbacca and Darth Vader. They replaced Darth Vader with Kylo Ren, but now, of course, Kylo Ren is coming out on August 29th to go over to Galaxy's Edge. Millennium Falcon... One million riders. Smugglers Run riding the Millennium Falcon in Disneyland. It opened up on May 31st, and as of a couple of days ago, has celebrated its one millionth rider on that ride, which is a little crazy. I did the math. Now, I don't know if this counts anybody riding it before May 31st because, you know, they had a couple of days. They had previews and things like that. They have a few soft openings here and there, and so they probably had thousands of people that come through before it even opened officially on May 31st, but still, a million people is pretty impressive. I did kind of do the math on it. I don't recommend you do math because, you know, as Chevy Chase would say on Saturday Night Live, uh, it is my understanding there would be no math, but I kind of did the math on it with my handy-dandy calculator and figured out it averages out to about 1,000 to 1,200 riders per hour which is crazy uh, to know that they have that many people riding that attraction. But yeah, that ride that ride's going. And I haven't honestly heard a whole lot about the ride shutting down, which is very encouraging because one thing that happens with the new attractions is they have to work the kinks out. You can you can test them as much as you want, but um, but until you actually get that free flow of you know going sixteen to seventeen hours a day with thousands of riders per hour on it, tens of thousands per day, you know, you don't really, you don't really know. You don't really know what's going to do. Uh, case in point, the Hagrid motorbike ride over in uh, in Universal, I, I kind of feel like they rushed that a little bit to get it open, and it's had all kinds of problems staying open. Um, I think it's kind of worked some of the kinks out, so I think it's open longer now, but there were days over the course of June and July that, uh, that it only opened like half day. It wouldn't open until noon or one o'clock in the afternoon, and you just had to be there to get in line for it because, you know, it just kept breaking. So I haven't heard a lot about the Millennium Falcon Smugglers Run breaking down, which is really encouraging for Rise of the Resistance because I'm hearing that Rise is probably the most technologically advanced attraction that Disney's ever done. 
So I do feel there will be some growing pains when that ride opens. It might break down here and there. So uh, I, I'm really encouraged by the fact that Falcon hasn't broken down very much. One billion riders, strong and going. Now I said we'd get back to the Avengers and we will here because the Avengers has overtaken Avatar as the worldwide all-time box office champ. Uh, it only needed a couple of hundred thousand uh, like last week or so to, to overtake it. It actually has done that. Now check this out. Worldwide. Avengers Endgame has done 2.79 billion with a B dollars in revenue. Avatar 2.78, so it's slightly past it. You know, it just got past it. I think James Cameron actually put out a little, uh, a little Instagram, a uh, little feature there with uh, with some of the Avatar, one of the I think Iron Man, uh, one of the characters, kind of in the same meme. Uh, you know, congratulating Avengers for doing so. But here's the interesting thing about this. This is something to think about. Avatar's got sequels coming up uh, sometime in the next couple of years. Apparently, James Cameron's doing four sequels, Avatar 2, 3, 4, and 5. We'll see what happens with that because I don't know how well those are going to be received. Hopefully, they will be good. I, I, love, I love James Cameron. As much as we dig on James Cameron, as much as I think Avatar takes crap, I think Avatar is actually a very good movie. It's just not one that I want to watch over and over. But he did Titanic, which I absolutely love Titanic. He did The Abyss, one of my 20 favorite films of all time. He did Aliens, which I love, True Lies. So he's got some, some amazing box office draw. And he's done some amazing box office stuff. So, you know, I can dig on Avatar a little bit, but that doesn't mean he's not a visionary. So I am very much looking forward to Avatar 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, however many they do. So the interesting thing about this Avengers Avatar thing is... Avatar sequels are coming up. So does Disney re-release Avatar to let Avatar retake that lead? Does that So that way they can say the number one film of all time, here's the sequel, or do they just let it go uh, and just kind of you know, go with it and maybe say, hey, the number two film of all time, because, you know, we've got the number one film, but hey, the sequel's coming to the number two film of all time. I don't know how they're going to do that. I, I don't know. I would think that they'd re-release it, and then maybe they'll re-release Avengers Endgame in five years, and it'll just let it go back and forth. Meanwhile, Star Wars Force Awakens is number four all time. Number three is Titanic, four is Star Wars Force Awakens, and five is Avengers Infinity War. So really, looking at this list, this top ten, Disney, now that they own Sony, I'm sorry, now that they own Fox, Disney owns Avengers Endgame number one, Avatar two, Titanic three, Star Wars four, Avengers five, uh, Marvel's uh, The Avengers at number seven, uh, Age of Ultron at number nine, Black Panther at ten. So they own eight of the top ten movies of all time. Guys, Disney's a monster. Disney's a, a crazy monster. Now, if you're wondering about domestic, which means just in the United States here, Star Wars The Force Awakens is still number one, $936 million. Avengers did $854 million uh, to Avatar $760. Avengers will not catch The Force Awakens. I think that's going to be safe for quite a while. Now, on the same Marvel train as Avengers Endgame, uh, real quick, uh, Disney has uh, made a presentation. Disney Marvel made a presentation at the uh, San Diego Comic-Con and released some of the stuff they got coming up. They released the logos and official announcements of the Disney Plus series that are coming up, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, Loki, WandaVision, which is Wanda, which is Wanda Maximoff, Scarlet Witch, and Vision, uh, Hawkeye, and the new What If series, which would be kind of an anthology series about, you know, what if Captain America didn't do this, or what if this didn't happen, or what if that didn't happen. Or It's based on a comic book that was actually pretty popular. Uh, I, I, I'm looking forward to the What If series, so we'll see what happens with that. 
So San Diego Comic-Con was last week, and of course Disney Marvel had a presence there. Now, they're going to be doing some bigger things at D23, which will be coming up in a few weeks, and we'll definitely be talking all about that. But they did release their kind of slate of movies coming up as part of Phase 4. I'm not really really sure if this first one counts as a part of Phase 4, but Blade will be re-released, and or redone actually. Uh, you know, the old Wesley Snipes character from the 90s, they did a trilogy. Uh, Blade, the first one was really good. I thought 2 and 3 was kind of uh, just okay. Uh, but they have recast Blade because Wesley Snipes is probably too old to do it now. He he can't jump anymore. Uh, but the, the new character of Blade will be played by Oscar-winning actor Marshala Ali, who I think is perfect casting. I, I saw that announced, and I was pretty excited about that, actually. Also coming up next year, May 1st, Black Widow will be released on May 1st, 2020, and I think... Quote, don't quote me. Uh, don't, don't, don't yell at me if I'm wrong here, but I think it, the events of this movie... Because people were thinking this might be a prequel. But the events of this movie are actually going to take place between uh, Captain America Civil War and Avengers Infinity War. Now, of course, we know what happens to Black Widow in Endgame. So it'll be interesting to see how that all ties together. It's kind of weird watching a movie about a character you know is going to have a result such as that in Endgame. I don't want. I feel like everybody's seen Endgame, uh, but I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't. Uh, so, you know, and if you've seen Spider-Man uh, Far From Home, then you probably know what happens in Endgame. Anyway, so that's coming up. Also coming up November 6th, 2020, The Eternals will be opening up. And it's a comic series that I don't know a lot about. I'll be honest with you. I know some of the main characters of, of the comic lore, uh, you know, the X-Men and the Avengers and Fantastic Four and such. But I don't know a lot about The Eternals. Kamala Nanjani and Angelina Jolie have been announced as part of the cast. So we'll see what happens with that. Also coming up May, uh, in uh, 2021... Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, also a character I don't know a lot about, so I am very interested to see what happens there. Uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, coming out May 7th, 2021, and Thor Love and Thunder, November 5th, 2021. So next year we get two Marvel movies, one in early uh, 2020, one in late 2020, and then the following year we get three. Natalie Portman returning to uh, to Thor, the Thor line as a as Jane Foster once again, and apparently she's going to be wielding the hammer as the mighty Thor. So we'll see what happens with that as well. Um, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is going to be interesting because we're going to start opening up now to this quote-unquote multiverse. Now, for you non-nerds out there, what that means basically is that there are multiple Earths out there all doing kind of the same thing that we're doing, but living slightly different timelines. So Iron Man in this Earth might not be Iron Man in the other one. Uh, Tony Stark may actually be Captain America in the other one, or there may be a female, uh, you know, there may be a female Captain America, or the Hulk may be actually red. Or, I don't know. Different things happen on different planets. And that all happened as a part of the time shift that happens in Endgame, the way the time travel works, it opened up the multiverse. It's very nerdy and very involved. I'm not going to get into it here, but that's kind of what that looks like. So having Doctor Strange in the madness uh, multiverse of madness is very interesting because it's going to open up a whole new, a whole new, I guess, plethora of ideas and options for all these characters. July 29th, 2022, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 will be opening up and... Not released as part of a date yet. They haven't announced what they're going to do with this yet, but confirmed Fantastic Four will be coming to Disney Marvel. I predicted this. Folks, I've been predicting this for a year and a half now, ever since Disney and Fox started talking. I said if they buy Fox, they're going to do Fantastic Four, and they'll do it right. And you know what? I'm proven right. Don't doubt me on this. I'm always right. (laughs) So that's your Marvel lineup as well. So real quick, as we end the show, I kind of want to get to the free dining stuff. And free dining is something that typically comes out 
once a year. It typically happens in the fall. Now, as a travel agent, I'll kind of take behind the scenes here. It opened up uh, this past year in uh, in January, where all of a sudden it was like, hey, free dining is opening up for the fall and for the summer, uh, you know, at certain resorts and things like that. And it kind of shocked everybody. It came out of nowhere. Because nobody expected the booking window for free dining to be open in January. Typically, it opens in late April, early May, which is done for the last several years. And so, of course, we're all scrambling trying to get our free dining stuff done for the summer and for the fall. And I was able to help a lot of clients with their stuff. And, you know, hey, great. Awesome. So the booking window ends. That's fine. So we're getting reports. The Star Wars Galaxy's Edge in Disneyland is not doing as well as they want it to. Now, I have a theory on this. I don't think it has anything to do with the land. And I, I may have expressed this before. But... The theory is the fact that, and I know this is a travel agent already, I can tell you this has happened to me several times, many times, that people who are going to go in the fall, which is typically not as crowded, uh, are not going in the fall now. They're going to wait till next year because they keep saying, well, we don't want to get caught in the Star Wars crowds, so we're going to avoid the Star Wars stuff, and we'll go next year and have a great time when it's not as crowded. And so a lot of people are doing that, meaning that nobody's going to the parks. This has happened at Disneyland, I believe, and I know it's happening at Disney World because there's a lot of availability in September and October in terms of resorts. And even November, I'm finding you know, trips. I'm able to book trips for all three of those months just randomly. Um, on you know, Normally by this time of the summer, because free dining has already been – free dining typically goes through – would go through September – Early November, some in December. Um, it hasn't included October in a while. Well, the free dining window for this year actually ended in September. And so they reopened it. They just they, We got the announcement that, hey, free dining is coming. Uh, so we were able to do free dining stuff. So basically the way it works here is that uh, it's a booking window of September uh, all the way through September 29th. It's the last day to book. You have to check in September 1st through September 18th. November 17th through November 27th, or December 8th through December 23rd. And even if you check in on the end of those one of those windows, like if you checked in on the 18th and you got free dining, you'd have it for the duration of your trip, even though the 18th is the last day of that dining window. As long as you check in on that day, you're fine the rest of the week. Now the qualifications are you must have a four-day Park Hopper ticket or Park Hopper Plus ticket. You have to stay at least four nights, and uh, your original package can't be discounted, which means you can't get a military discount or a pass holder discount or a room discount and then get free dining. So free dining has to be has to be your discount. It's available at just about all the resorts, Art of Animation, Family Suites uh, for the entire time. Um, All-Star Music, All-Star Sports, and Pop Century are available for November and December. Uh, and so they're actually not available in the September dates. Um, with the qualifying package for value resorts, you get free dining, quick service. Uh, you also can upgrade to the Disney Dining Plan or Deluxe Disney Dining Plan for an additional fee. Uh, for moderate resorts, Caribbean Beach, Coronado, and Fort Wilderness are included. Guess what is not included? That is Port Orleans and Riverside and French Quarter. You get also the same thing, a quick service plan, uh, and you can upgrade to the regular plan. And Deluxes, uh, Animal Kingdom Lodge, Boardwalk, Beach Club, Contemporary, Grand Floridian, Polynesian, Wilderness Lodge, Josh Club, the main, the main ones, basically. And you get a free regular Disney Dining Plan. Uh, you also can do the Villas, Boulder Ridge, Copper Creek, Animal Kingdom Villas, Beach Club Villas, Boardwalk, Old Key West Polynesian, Saratoga, and of course, starting in December 16th, 2019, the Riviera Resort is also open for that because it will be open to the public from there. Excluded three-bedroom villas, uh, the campsites at Fort Wilderness, uh, cabins at Copper Creek, the cabins at Wilderness Lodge, Polynesian Bungalows, Mermaid Standard Rooms at Art of Animation, Riverside, and French Quarter at Port Orleans. Now, you may be asking yourself, okay, uh, free dining, awesome, free dining, I don't know what this, what dining plan, what is this dining plan? Here's the trick. 
The dining plan is a little tricky to explain to people, and I actually have an article on, on my website, magiconadollar.com. If you click that and click Disney-Dining-Explained, uh, and I'll have this on the show notes as well. You can actually go in there and click on it. It'll, it'll lead you to this page, and it kind of explains the dining plan. What is the dining plan? So let me kind of break this down for you first real quick in the last few moments of the show. I'm going to break it down for you, and then I'll tell you about whether it's worth it or not. We'll get to that in a second. There are three main dining plans. you got the quick service dining plan. You've got the Disney dining plan and the deluxe dining. So I'm going to kind of go through the terms real quick so you won't be too confused because I'm going to talk a little – I'm going to say these terms a lot in, in, as we go, so I want you to know what we're talking about here. Table service meal. It's any meal where you sit down and order off the menu or go to a buffet. Uh, all character meals are buffets, okay? So table service meal is basically one entree. One dessert and one non-alcoholic beverage, or they've actually—I take that back—they've included some alcoholic beverages as well. So those can be included. Uh, appetizers and gratuities are not included. So examples would be be our guest restaurant in uh, in Magic Kingdom for dinner only. Vianopoli um, in Italy, that is a table service restaurant. The Tusker House, which is a character meal in Animal Kingdom, so that's a table service restaurant. Okay, Reservations recommended, and I say recommended, I mean reservations are basically vital. Um, most restaurants. Do not have any openings, depending on when you go. Most of the time when you go. Most restaurants will not have an opening. I know places like La Cellier and Chef Mickey, some of the most popular places, they turn away more people than they actually seat over the course of the evening because they're just that popular. So you need to have a reservation for it. That's, of course, where my travel planning can come in to help you. A counter service meal is like, like fast food. You walk up, you order your food, you wait for it there, or you have it brought to you. A counter service meal is one entree and one beverage. Um, so you get, uh, you know, that's Pecos Bills and Magic Kingdom. Um, Dockside Diner and Hollywood Studios. Wolfgang Puck Express at Disney Springs. Uh, Disney Springs restaurants are included in this dining plan as well. You don't get reservations at counter service meals. You cannot walk up to Cosmic Rays and get a reservation. The only exception to that is Be Our Guest at Magic Kingdom, which is a counter service for breakfast and lunch because the lines for Be Our Guest was stretching through, literally stretching through the park. And finally they decided, you know what, forget that. You have to have a reservation to do that, and and they don't have openings either. So you need to have a reservation for Be Our Guest, which is Beast Castle Restaurant in Magic Kingdom. A snack is exactly what a snack sounds like. Okay, It can be anything from cotton candy to cookies to popcorn, candied apples, bottled drinks, anything. You can get them at snack and drink carts, all the kiosks in the park at Disney Springs. Counter service restaurants will have snacks. Even some table service restaurants will have snacks. There's a little icon, little Disney dining icon. Look for that icon. And that's where you go. Okay, so that's kind of the terminology. Now, one common misconception is that the dining plan is based on the days for your tickets. So people think, well, I have 10-day ticket. I have 10 days of dining plan. Or I have a two-day ticket and I'm staying five days. I, I, I can only eat for two days. No, no, no. It's based on the number of nights that you stay. So it, whether you have a two-day ticket or a 10-day ticket, if you have a five-night stay, then you have five nights worth of dining. Okay, so it doesn't matter what your tickets are. It's all based on your uh, your dining. So you don't even have to buy tickets. If you decide that you want to go to Disney World and spend a week there and not go to the park at all, just spend some time down there at the resorts, Disney Springs, doing other things, you can get a dining plan with a room and not actually have to buy a ticket at all. Uh, and the way it kind of breaks down, it, to get into more detail here, and I'm trying to keep this light. I don't want to, to throw too much at you because you'll basically I'll lose you. You're given dining credits. For each person in the room to use, it's, it averages out to one person or to, to per person per night kind of thing. Um, but you can use them however you want to. So if you have five nights, two adults, two kids, five nights worth, each adult has five table service credits, five counter service, and ten snacks. That's the regular dining plan. If you do counter service, you have ten counter service 
and 10 snacks per person, per person. And it's kind of given to your room. So let's just say that mom's not feeling good. Dad takes the kids to a restaurant, you know, and he wants to, to I don't know, he wants to, whatever. He can use extra credits for something else if he wants to. So it's basically to your, assigned to your room if you want. Most restaurants are one credit each. Uh, Cinderella's Royal Table, the Hoopty Doo Review, Epcot's uh, uh, La Cellier, and the Canada Pavilion. Those are two table credits per person. Most of them are one, though. Akershus, uh, Vianopoli, the Coral Reef, Chef Mickey, those are all one. Okay, so that's the terminology. That's how it works. Quick service dining plan. Two quick service meals and two snacks per person per night of your stay. We just talked about that. Uh, the Disney dining, uh, which is regular dining, one table service, one counter, and two snacks per person. Deluxe dining, which is three table service and two snacks per person per night of the stay, which is... I will tell you, is a lot of food. I know families who have done this, and they love it. I know families who have done this, and they're like, oh my gosh, we'll never do that again. You literally can do it. You can do what you want to, basically. You can eat three sit-down meals a day. You can have two sit-down meals and a counter service. You can have one table service, two counter services, but you have three table service credits per person to use per day. Okay, and everybody gets a Disney refillable resort mug uh, available in your food courts. And these cups, they have the handles. They have the fun design on them. They're part of the package, and you can fill them up for free. At any any resort, basically, um, you can use well at your resort. You can use them at other resorts. You can take them to the theme park, but you can't fill them up with anything. You can't you know put coke in them. You can't take them to a kiosk and say, "Hey, can I have a refill?" Because you won't get one. Now, here's the question everybody asks me: Should I get the dining plan? So I'm just going to speak from my own experience. Okay, um, we have a seven year old with a special needs diet. He does not eat food from the parks. We take his food. Now, as we're getting closer uh, to going again sometime in the spring as a family, I'm going by myself in September. We'll go as a family in March for spring break. Um, He's getting older, so we're going to stop taking his food, and he probably will eat from the park, but he will have a very specialized diet. For us, it's just not worth it, but that is our family. Every family is different. This is based on my own experience, and uh, other families use it a lot more and can use it a lot more than we can, okay? One big benefit of this is you go into the vacation with your food paid for. You don't have to worry about budgeting for food. Like, you probably will end up buying some chips here and there or drink here and there. I I have a—when I do have the dining plan, and I'm not saying we'll never get it again, when I do have the dining plan, I have a hard time using a snack credit to pay $2 for a bag of chips or $3 for a bottle of water. I'd rather use it for a $5 ice cream or something like that. But that's just me. Uh, if you have the snack credits, then use them. That's great. Uh, you know, So having that paid for when you go into it means you don't have to worry about budgeting for food, especially if you've never been because you don't, what, you don't know what to budget for. You're looking at how much you can spend on your trip, and you're thinking, do we spend – do we save $1,000 for food? Do we save 500 is $50 per person per day going to work? Do I need to do $100 per day? That's four people in our family. That's $400. It's really hard to kind of justify how much how much you're going to do because you don't have any idea what to do. And every family will tell you different. You can ask five families have all been. You guys, five family friends, hey, what did you do? And they will all tell you something different. Oh, no, we got away $50 a day per food. Oh, no, we spent $100 a day. Oh, my gosh, dining costs us $2,000 for our family of four. Oh, man, we did it for like $300. You'll get different things based on who you ask. So one of the benefits of going into it is you have your food paid for. If you are going to do several character meals, okay, a lot of character meals, then honestly, it's actually worth it because character meals, they're, they're, they're a set price. Okay, they're a set price. So if you go into uh, Chef Mickey and you've got little Lindsay and you've got little Micah over here and Micah eats four plates of food, he eats pancakes and waffles and Mickey waffles and a hot dog and chips and pop, whatever. He eats a ton of stuff. Uh, his bill is still 50, $45. 
uh, you have little Lindsay over here, and she only has a piece of bread and maybe a cupcake because she's a picky eater. She's not that hungry. Guess what? Her bill is $45, so you pay the same amount no matter who eats what, okay? So it's a fixed price. All character meals are fixed price. So if you plan on doing several of those, you're not saving any money by picking and choosing what you eat, and it's it's actually kind of worth it, to be honest with you. It actually kind of adds up, and that does add up after a while. A lot of families with smaller children, they definitely will go with a, with a dining plan because of those character meals, because they want the character meals. Um, Cinderella's Royal Table is included in that, and that will cost you about 70 bucks a person. I don't know the exact price off the top of my head, but if you've got a family of four, you know that's almost $300, including tax, to pay for in advance. And you have to pay for that in advance unless you have the dining plan. So you use the dining plan for it. And it actually does kind of save you some money right off the top there, which is very nice, actually. When is it not worth it? It's not worth it if you don't have any character meals and maybe you're not that hungry. Maybe a picky eater. You don't know how much you're going to eat. Maybe your plans are you're going to go straight uh, to the parks. You're going to hit the rides, the rides as much as possible, cram as much as possible, eat when you can. The regular dining plan really may not be for you uh, because if you have two adults, two kids, and you go to, say, Coral Reef over at Epcot, the, uh, the seafood restaurant, and you're eating off the menu, there's no preset price, so you can control your costs. Whereas, you know, the dad might get a, a steak and shrimp that might cost you know, $42. Mom may decide she's not that hungry, so she and, and little Micah over here, who's, you know, nine years old, they're going to split a plate, and he's going to eat off her plate and everything. They'll split one, and uh, little Lindsay over here, she's not hungry either. She just wants an appetizer, so she's, she's going to get a flatbread. Um, so really, your bill's like 120 130 for the four of you, whereas if that was part of the dining plan, collectively, that would have been a lot more. So you get to control your costs as well. You can split plates. You can do appetizers instead, that kind of thing. So the total cost of your plan, total cost of your dining actually may be less than what you'd pay for the dining plan. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense for you. Is free dining worth it? Yes, it is worth it. It is definitely worth it. If you can get it, get your travel agent to, to compare prices. And I've been doing this for a lot of clients too, kind of looking at prices, free dining versus not free dining. Now, the restrictions they have put on it make it a little harder because you do have to have a park hopper. And if you've got a large family, say a family of five or six that is going, those park hoppers add up. They're probably 70 bucks a piece. So you've got a family of six, that's $450 you're spending just on park hoppers in addition to all your other costs for your trip. It may not be worth it. Your savings may not be that much, especially uh, don't go into the trip thinking, okay, we have to get free dining, which means we now have to eat. If you weren't planning on doing a lot of dining and plan on doing a lot of dining reservations, then don't get it. Then don't do it. It's not worth it to force it on there. That's like um, that's like you know looking at a sale on, on Amazon or you know Amazon Prime and buying a bunch of stuff you don't need just because it's on sale. It's not worth it. Uh, you don't want to do that. And it's just, I wouldn't recommend that. And when I talk to clients too, when I talk to my families, I make sure that I kind of let them know the good and the bad. Hey, I see that you've got this and you know, you may or may not need it because of this reason, that reason, or, you know, you may want to consider doing the dining plan because you have six character meals and it's going to add up and so on. So there's a little bit about the dining plan for you there. I want to kind of give you the, the, the breakdown and kind of how it's, how it kind of rolls out what it means how it's explained again go to magic and you actually can click if you scroll down it'll say disney dining explained it's an article right there the links to the new promo- promotion are on there as well so you go there kind of read all about the dining plan and uh, remember that only a certain number of rooms per resort are eligible for the promotion so if you're going to pop century in november and you want the dining plan if you get into it late those rooms may be sold out and you may not get it even though they may be advertising free dining you may not get free dining there's also room discounts available I'll be honest with you, the room discounts aren't very good. <laughs> They're okay. It might save you some money. It's tw- up to 20% off of, like deluxe resorts, up to 10% off of uh, value resorts. So on some things, you may actually only may only be saving 
15 bucks a night, if that. It just depends on what what you've got. It just really just depends. So get a travel agent to do some quotes for you or go online and do some quotes yourself. Uh, I'll be happy to help you as well. Of course, magicondadollar.com. Find me on Facebook. Facebook at Disney on a dollar. And also our fan page is Magic on a Dollar on Facebook. Find me on Instagram and Twitter at Magic on a Dollar. Send me an email, magiconadollar at gmail.com. I would be happy to talk to you. I'd love to talk to you about your trip, about your thoughts on the dining plan. Is it worth it? Is everything I just said to you, Bupkis? Do you have something else in mind? Do you have an idea of, hey, you know what? I, this is the experience we had, and it's much better. Or no, it is not good. We don't want it. So my name is David Dollar. Thank you so much for joining us once again for this little excursion into, into magical, uh, magical conversations. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. We will be back. We definitely will be back next week. We'll talk some more Disney stuff. Got some guests lined up for the next few weeks. Some more people coming on, so you can take a break from hearing my nasally voice for 35 or 40 straight minutes. You guys have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon. Hey, in all this madness, free dining, it's summer, it's hot, school starting back, band camp starting back, football starting back, everything's happening. We got football around the corner. Uh, you know, free dining is happening, all the promotions and stuff. One thing you cannot forget to do is thank a Phoenician. Thanks for listening. Continue the conversation by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Magic on a Dollar, Facebook at Disney on a Dollar, and of course, magiconadollar.com. See you real soon.